Thank you for taking time to listen to this sermon from Hope Church Toronto North. It is our prayer that through this message, you are challenged and encouraged by the Word of God and grow in your love for God and love for others. It is God's desire for us to be members of and regularly participate in a local church under the care of qualified elders. If you are not attending a local church right now, we encourage you to take that step. If you do live in the North York area and are looking for a local church, we invite you to visit us at one of our Sunday morning gatherings to discern if this is the church God is leading you to. Good morning, everyone. So good to see everybody here. Um, It's so good because the last time I preached at Toronto North, it was actually back at our church during the pandemic because everybody was trying to figure out where to where to where to where to stay, where to where to go. So uh, it's it's so good, it's so good. Well, let me pray first, and we can dive into God's word. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness and kindness, your gentleness, your steadfast love. Uh, Lord, as we dive into your word this morning, may it be food for our soul. May we see that you are good. And experience it, Lord, not take it for granted. May we not abuse your mercy, but really receive your mercy and your grace each and every moment. Thank you for this time of worship as we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. So Psalm 90, I preached this psalm at uh, Hope Mississauga just uh, about a month and a half ago. And uh, I was telling everybody there, I would not have preached this about 10 years ago. Uh, I've been a pastor now for almost 18 years, and I, I realized that in the churches that I uh, served at before, it was difficult because of verse 12, right? What does verse 12 say? To teach us to number our days so that we can gain a heart of wisdom, right? I mean, numbering our days is not an easy thing. Uh, what does that mean? What, is it, what, what does that mean? And, uh, and so often we're, we're afraid and we're maybe even uh, scared of, 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 um, of approaching that verse because we just don't know what God really intends for that verse in our life. But uh, I, I, I um, really was praying and asking the Lord for strength and uh, it's not an easy passage, but I'd like you to just dive in with me uh, together. So uh, this psalm is titled, A Prayer of Moses, the Man of God. And some commentators think this was not uh, the same famous and familiar Moses, but evidence of a much stronger for believing that this was indeed the great leader of Israel. This is not only, uh, this, uh, this is the only song of Moses in the Psalms, but there are two other songs even in the Pentateuch in Exodus 15 and Deuteronomy 32 as well as the blessing of the tribes of Israel in Deuteronomy 33, uh, just before he passes. James Montgomery Boyce says this, if we connect it with any particular time in the life of Moses, this particular psalm, the best suggestion is the time described in Numbers chapter 20. The historical setting is probably best understood by the incidents recorded in Numbers 20. And the first is the death of Miriam, Moses' sister, and then second is the, the, the sin of Moses in striking the rock in the wilderness, which kept him from entering the promised land. And then finally, the death of Aaron, Moses' brother. There's a lot of death going on, and even sin. 
And in the midst of uh, Moses' uh, old age, he, he, he writes this song, and, and, and there's so much in this song. There's so much to be gathered from this. There's so much to understand. And the reason for this title, and the reason why I didn't title it, So Teach Us to Number Our Days, or some, something like that, is because the very first verse that we encounter is the, the essence of the entire psalm. It's the essence of why we exist. Because when we understand God in our life, we don't understand him just in his presence here on earth, but we understand that one day we will be in his presence in heaven. And that is our secure hope. That is our secure hope. I don't know about you, but there are times when I'm just counting down the days, right? Counting down the days. Looking forward to the weekend, you know, TGIF, right? Thank goodness it's Friday. Seeing how we can enjoy the weekend. You know, some of us, we just live for the weekend. Or some of us just live, you know, as, as, we, as we work, we just want to just purchase the next thing we want or need. Some of us, unfortunately, are, are counting down the days to a funeral. We're counting down the days to a difficult decision. Others of us are counting down the days to the next exam or the next decision that we need to make for school. Counting down the days for some of us grandparents to see the grandkids. We count down our days. And God allows us to do this because we, we're human beings and we live in anticipation. We don't live as stagnant beings. We live always in anticipation, and that is a God-given gift. The question this morning is, where is your security? Where is your hope? Do you believe that God is your dwelling place? When we find ourselves struggling with the purpose of our life, when we find ourselves with time and time with, with our calendar getting too filled and, 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 and afraid, that, you know, paralyzed with fear about other people's expectations, our parents, our kids, our you know, co-workers, our church members, our pastor, whoever it is, and there's this fear of what will happen tomorrow. Can I handle this? Will I be able to be sustained? What will be the trajectory of my life in the next few days? In the few days ahead, looking a few weeks ahead, a few months ahead. I believe the, the answer to this is in this psalm. I, I just want to tell you that this psalm bounces back and forth between the future, looking forward into the future, and looking at the present right now to establish our strength. And it, it's going to be back and forth, so just catch, catch this with me. So here's the, the first um, and the next slide here. The big idea for this message is that you and I must treasure our relationship with God because that is the only reason we can live with purpose. The, 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 the reason for this life is not to establish a church, to do what is good, the reason for this life, for your life, is that you can glorify God with your relationship with him, in your relationship with him, because that is the only reason we can live with purpose. And you'll see this throughout the text. The first portion we're going to talk about right now, there's three points in this message. 
um, is the conviction and experience of Moses, verse one and two. Notice what it says there, Lord. And the word Lord is, is not Yahweh. It is another word, is Elohim. It is actually described as God uh, who is the, the great creator, the one who made everything. You have been our dwelling place. Notice he doesn't say my dwelling place. Moses ain't, ain't uh, he's not, he's not, uh, uh, um, Selfish. He's not thinking only about himself and his own spiritual walk. He's saying our dwelling place. He's talking to a community of believers, a community that's been wandering in the wilderness, a community that needs to put their faith back on God. You have been our dwelling place. The word dwelling place here is, is a word for refuge. You have been my refuge. You have been my rock. You have been my hiding place. You have been that but not only you have been our dwelling place, but notice what it says, in all generations. He's not just looking about this present or, or he's not just saying that you've only been our dwelling place in certain circumstances. He has been our dwelling place in all circumstances throughout all generations. This is a theology that, that, that uh, Moses is sharing with us in that we need to have a picture of the past. We need to have a picture of what God has done throughout all generations. Maybe not in your personal life, but in the life of many other people. Let us praise the Lord because God has been our dwelling place throughout generations. Throughout generations. You see, a dwelling place is not a location, but a home and a refuge for those who need the Lord. And that is, uh, that is what we are. That is how we see God. He is our dwelling place. And it is realized only when there is a true need and a desire for God to be our home and our refuge. And in verse two, before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. So what he's trying to say here is that, let me tell you, like you know that God had formed the earth before the mountains were born, before everything was made, God never had a beginning. God existed from everlasting to everlasting. He'll never end. He never had a beginning. He'll never end. Everlasting to everlasting, though we live in space and time, we see mountains, we see, oh, things change, seasons change, the fall and everything. We see things move, but God sees things outside of space and time. But yet he came into space and time. We'll talk about that later. But then God in his everlasting Power reveals to us that he is totally other. He is completely other. That's why when we sang that song, holy, 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 that's what it means. Holy means totally other. There is no one like him, no one like him. So God, God is from everlasting to everlasting, the eternal dwelling place. So, uh, Deuteronomy 33, verse 27, next slide. The eternal God is your dwelling place and underneath are the everlasting arms. First Chronicles 16, verse 36. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting. Then all the people said, amen and praise the Lord. The people of Israel. So God 
This is why Moses needed to say these things. It's because he experienced the dwelling place. He experienced God as his refuge. My question for you this morning as well is, is, is have you experienced in your walk with Jesus, in your walk with the Lord, that he is your dwelling place? He is not only your refuge here and now in the trials and the struggles, in the, in the good times and the bad, but into the future where after you die, which we all will, that he will see us and we will be with him forever. Let's think about that. Let's, let's, let's consider these words from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. And the second point is the reason for the brevity of life. The reason for the brevity of life. It says here, uh, there, this is the reason, okay? And, and we're gonna get into this and it, and, and it doesn't sound that great sometimes, okay? So let's, let's go. You return man to dust and say, return all children of man. This is an illustration here as, as Moses wrote the Pentateuch. We see that he also uh, wanted to bring us into Genesis 3 verse 19, right? After the fall, you know, to dust you shall return, right? That's what that's God in his mighty and powerful plan knew that we would sin and knew that there would be a consequence for sin. And we're just dust. You know, we, at the end of the day, like, let's, let's be real here, okay? Yes, we are created in the image of God. Yes, we are, we are um, created in God's image. We are supposed to be um, ruling over this earth. Yes, we have responsibility. Yes, we are able to express our love for God and have a relationship with God. But at the end of the day, we're gonna return to dust because we're just dust. So let's not think too highly of ourselves. Let's not think too highly about our life. Let's have a proper view of our life. Let's have a proper understanding of our life. Right? You return man to dust and say return. And then verse four, for a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past or as a watch in the night. So verse four is really to help us understand verse 12. Verse 12 says, to, so teach us to number our years. No, wait a second, no. Teach us to number our days. A day is a lot less than a year. But God thinks that a year is really short because 4,000 of it is actually like a day in his eyes. So which means when we picture and see what God sees, we are just like this. Our life is just like this. And this gives us a perspective of God's, of God's understanding of our life. That's why if we are like this, then doesn't it mean that we should consider every single day as an opportunity to live for him? Because 90 years ain't long. 100 years, 120, 500 years, who cares? It, it's not long. Because in God's eyes, it is very short. We have to gain a heart of wisdom so that we don't take advantage. We just don't uh, take for granted the things that God has given us, the days that God has given us, the health that God has given us, the moments that God has given us. We have to see life 
and time in God's eyes. God's perspective of time is different than ours. Even long periods of time for us is very short for God. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8 says, but do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years, excuse me, as one day. In verse five, it says, you sweep them away as with the flood. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In verse six, in the morning it flourishes and then it is renewed. In the evening it fades and withers. It comes and goes. It comes and goes. Our life is real. It's literally like when you see the dew in the morning, when you see in seasons the, 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 uh, uh, something coming up and then it being and, and withering. It's like our life. It's sobering, isn't it? But I haven't gotten to the good part yet, just or the, the part that is going to give us hope in this life. We just need to know the reason for the brevity of our life. We need to know, like, how do you know you have the next five seconds to live? Well, we do now. But because, because God will not tell you and say, by the way, you have five more years. By the way, you have five more seconds. By the way, you have 50 more years. But we assume that because in our society, with all our technology and everything, we live in a world that constantly is in consumption of what we want to do and how we want to live. Our hearts are a factory of idols. And we end up just wanting, wanting, wanting without, without truly evaluating <laughs> Right? Socrates, I think, said, uh, the, un, uh, the unexamined white life is not uh, worth living. Right? We don't examine ourselves. We don't say, how much time do I have? What is my life supposed to be like? Who do I serve? What's the purpose? This is why this psalm exists. That's why, you know, Moses being 120 years old, right about to die, he, he writes this song. For we are brought to an end by your anger. By your wrath, we are dismayed. Okay, here's the reason why we die. Sin. Simple as that. Simple as that. The why, the, the why of death is always sin. We deserve to die. In fact, the reality of God's wrath is, is portrayed throughout the Old Testament into the New Testament as his wrath towards us, as his wrath towards sinners, as his wrath towards the fact that we have sin. That's the, the consequences. The wages of sin is death. You get paid with death. And you earned it because of your sin. But the gift of God is eternal life. Now that is something so powerful, so good. But the reality of this is that we will die one day. And, and, and that's what we deserve. We deserve the wrath of God. We deserve to die. So for some of us who want to live forever and you know, take all the supplements and do all that we can, I, do, I take supplements, so I mean, I, I do whatever it takes to live longer. 
Be careful. Yes, it's good to take care of our bodies. Yes, it's good to take care of the temple of the Holy Spirit. Yes, it's good to love on ourselves and to take care of ourselves. But once we think that we deserve to live longer, we deserve another day, that's when we actually get it all wrong. Because we don't. And at the end of the day, the wrath of God, that's the reason why we die, and we can die within the next five seconds. Let's hope not. But God, in his sovereign will, he shows us that in verse eight, you have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. God is saying, listen, I'm, I know all of you. Don't try to hide anything. Even though you think you're squeaky clean and you don't swear and you don't do all these other things, like don't, don't think that I don't know you. I know you so well. I've set your iniquities before me, your secret sins in the light of your presence. This is, this, is, this is powerful. God does not want us to hide in our sin. He wants to, us to bring it to the light of his presence, right? In 1 John, what does it say? It says that if we say we are, do not sin, we lie and make God into a liar. We need to be real. We need to be honest, one of the reasons why it just came into my mind, I'm going to say it this way, I don't know if it's going to come across, uh, how it's going to come across, but during the pandemic, I think one of the reasons why we were uh, trapped inside and everything was just, you know, difficult for us, for the rest of the world as well, is because maybe God, in his sovereignty, wanted us to understand our own our own. Uh, uh, desires, our own uh, wrongful thinking, our own weaknesses. Because during the pandemic, I most certainly experienced my weaknesses. Even in, in the arguments with me and my wife and all the difficulties and the challenges, God wants us to be real, to be honest, to be transparent. Accountability doesn't just happen within the church. It happens within our own life and within the people around us. And we need to see what God is showing us our life is short. Our life is short. You see, God knows and he will keep all sin accounted for. He is not a God who gets tired of judging. His character is who he is. He is judge and he does what he does is judge. He judges because he is worthy to be judged. And that is why our iniquities and our secret sins are in full view of him. There is nothing to hide, brothers and sisters. Even if you try to hide it, God can see it. So, you know, we, we, we deserve death. The punishment for sin is death, and God sees all of our sin. Some pretty bad news, right? Verse nine, let's keep going. The bad news continues. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring all our ears, years to an end like a sigh. Read Deuteronomy 33 as, as, as uh, Moses speaks to the tribes, right? He speaks to them as a dying man, as a man. And so most likely he felt in his own life that it was too short. <sighs> too short. He's 120 years, by the way. Yeah. The years of life are 70 or even by reason and strength 80. Yet, by, yet their span is but toil and trouble, and Ecclesiastes talks about this. They are soon gone and we fly away. The word fly away really means, in essence, we, we just, we're, we're gone. 
We're gone. We're done. We don't we cease to exist here on earth. You see, we aren't guaranteed anything. We aren't guaranteed anything. I mean, even if you're 70 or 80, or if you're 30 or 40, or if you're 15 or 18, we are not guaranteed anything. But God in his sovereignty and his plan will show you how to live no matter how old you are. And that's why we need to talk about the next passage here. Verse 11, it says, who considers the power of your anger, who and your wrath according to the fear. Who actually considers the wrath and power of God's anger against sin? If we did, we would properly assess and evaluate our lives, wouldn't we? We would truly fear God. Not in the sense of like, I'm fearing that he would punish me, but I'm fearing the fact that he actually knows everything. It's a proper fear. If I woke up in the morning and I said, you know what, I can hide 50% from God and the other 50, the, ones that I, the things that I'm comfortable sharing with other people, then I'll only tell God. You know what that is? That's not fear of God, that's fear of your own self. That's fear of like the, the, you know, am I going to be able to manage my day and, and manage expectations and manage my own expectations for my own sins and qualify that before God? No. Who considers the power, the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? What Moses is saying is do not forget the power of God in his wrath, in his ability to take your life, in his ability to just end your life. We need to consider it. But the good news is that in the midst of considering all of these things from verse uh, three to verse 11, now we have the last point, and the last point is this, the beautiful purpose of God for our lives. This is the beautiful purpose of God for our lives. Verse 12. So teach us to number our days. I was so afraid of preaching this years ago because I just didn't know what it meant. What does it mean to teach us to number our days? Does it mean that like, I'm going to take out a calculator and say, okay, uh, I think I have 3,750 days left. I think I have this many years left. Let me just calculate. It's not like God comes down with a calculator and says, well, let me show you. Mm, you're okay here. Oh, you kind of messed up there. Uh, I think I'm going to shorten your life. Or, you know, you've done so much. You've done so much for the church. You did so much. Mm, I think I'm going to extend your life. We don't know anything that God is going to do in terms of how many days we live. We just don't. And that is the mystery when guided by God's Holy Spirit, that's the mystery in our heart that we should ask God, teach us to number our days so that we can gain a heart of wisdom. Wisdom means understanding for life. We need that. We need that. We don't need more things. We don't need some sort of intellectual understanding of something. We need wisdom. We need wisdom from God because God is wisdom. God's wisdom is perfect in the Proverbs 
The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We need that wisdom to live this life. But I want to ask you, in verse 12, it says, so teach us. How can we be taught if we don't want to be taught? We can't be taught unless we truly desire to be taught, unless our hearts are willing, unless we are like Moses. And Moses, at the end of his life, he continued to tell all of Israel, so teach us, so teach us, so teach us. So many times our hearts are hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And we forget that our hearts before God should be that of humble individuals saying, God, teach me. I ask of you, even if I don't believe, help my unbelief. Teach me, oh God. Teach me. I think that's the attitude that uh, Moses had. Teach us to number our days. To number our days. I believe the numbering of our days really goes back to verse four and then goes into verse 13 to the rest of the chapter. So what does verse four say? What does it talk about? 4,000 years, 1,000 years is like a day to the Lord, right? It's just passing, right? 4,000 years in your sight are but yesterday, right? So teach us to understand the brevity of life, the shortness of life in your eyes, oh God. So that we ain't living with just like, I'm gonna, you know, take for granted this and that. You're never gonna really say that. You just live that way. But God wants us to live with, with his perspective in mind. So teach us to number our days, to see the brevity of life, to see that it's short. Even if you're 90, 120, it doesn't matter. It's still short in God's eyes. And then also this. Teach us to know how to live in light of that. You know, numbering our days doesn't mean just like, oh, my life is short, FOMO, FOLO, you know, we're actually the next slide here. Fear of missing out, right? FOMO, you only live once. Uh, you know, I've, I've, I've heard of many people say FOMO, fear of missing out, especially the young people are just like, oh, if I only had a chance to do that, or if I only went to this party, or if I only met this girl, or if I only did, I just fear of missing out because our life is just so consumed with what we want rather than what God wants and his purpose and his understanding of our life. So we live with FOMO. The other day, I, we, we lead a, a, newly, a new ministry called 30 Plus, Hope 30 Plus, which is those over 30 who are single. And we were actually, I had to go after this in order to teach uh, at this um, new group. And one of the individuals said to us, uh, I don't have FOMO, I have um, JOLO, JOMO, the joy of missing out. Because <laughs> as you get older, you're just like, oh, I don't want to go there, I don't want to do this, and everything like that. So whatever it is, the joy of missing out, the fear of missing out, whatever it is, like, oh, that's not the way to live, right? Or, you know, even with YOLO, you know, some people say, oh, YOLO, you only live once. So they, they, they have to do something spectacular. They have to do something that just, just raises the endorphins and makes sure their dopamine levels are so high. They, we need to do something so that our life is worth it. YOLO, you only live once. And there's a bit of anger there. I gotta do this, I gotta do this. 
because it's about me, about my life. And then the next one I, I would say is, is not just YOLO, but fear of losing out. Fear of losing out. Did I lose out on this? You see, God doesn't want us to live in the past where there's regret, there's guilt, there's, there's shame, there's all these things we would have, could have, should have done. And, and, and he doesn't want us to look back and say, because my life wasn't like this, my life is not worthwhile. And he doesn't want us to look forward and say, oh, I got all the money, I got this, I got that, I got a secure job, I have kids, I have this, I have that, therefore I'm okay. He wants us to live right in the middle where in the moment God wants us to know him. He wants us to be, he wants us to go to him and he wants to be our dwelling place. He wants to, for us to take him, uh, to, to, to take refuge in him. That is who God is. He wants our relationship with him to be the first and foremost of importance. Yes, will you struggle with depression? Yes, will you struggle with insecurity? Yes, will you struggle with different things? Yes, you will. But this passage says, so teach us to number our days. The brevity of life, as well as the anticipation of what God wants us to do so that we can gain a heart of wisdom. Let's continue on, and I have a few more, uh, few more sections here, and then I'll, I'll close. James chapter four, verse 13 to 16. The next slide here. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend here, there, and trade and make a profit. Okay, I guess there were stock traders back then or whatever it was, but yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, if you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. Basically, what verse 15 is saying is do not just assume or presume that since you have the power through money and success that you will actually do what you want to do. Don't assume it. Instead, humbly ask God, if the Lord wills, if the Lord wills, I know some people like to say this phrase, Lord willing, I'll see you tomorrow. I kind of am mm, about that because sometimes it can just be, you know, just a catchphrase. Yeah, Lord willing, Lord willing. If the Lord wills, I mean, literally, if the Lord wills, can we actually do anything apart from him? It is the Lord's will and purpose in your life to be here this morning. It is the Lord's will for you to live the way that, you, that God wants you to live in, in sanctification, in holiness, in the purpose of his, of his path to worship him. That is his will. His will is to flee from sexual immorality. His will is for us to give thanks in all circumstances. His will is for us to live in such a way that is different than the world. Not hoarding it, FOMO, FOLO, YOLO, whatever it is. But God wants us to live this way. Verse 16, as it is, you boast in your arrogance. But James basically says, hey, guys, you're struggling with this. All such boasting is evil. Do you boast? I'm not saying you get, wake up in the mirror and you just say, I'm awesome, I'm awesome. No, I'm saying in your heart, do you say, I'm going to do that? Yeah, that's, I got that, no problem. 
there are moments in my life where I think I can preach because I've done it. But that's the worst place to be. You know why? I'm not sure if I'm living in the will of the Lord because I'm trusting myself and I'm boasting in my heart. I need to trust God. We need to trust God in everything. We need to have his Holy Spirit to live and dwell within us. The next passage here, Ephesians 5, verse uh, 15 to 17. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil. The best use of time. It doesn't say, uh, you know, uh, do all good things, be moral. It says make the best use of time which means how do you make the best use of time, right? You don't want to be foolish, but understand the will of the Lord. That's how you make the best use of time, is when you wake up in the morning and when you, when you sleep at night, you, you know what God is saying to you and what he is showing you through his word, through your meditation in his word, through your personal time of devotion, through your time in prayer. You know what God has poured into your heart and you go do it. That is what the will of the Lord is. That's how you can make most of every moment. Make use, because the days are evil. People are going to tell you to go to the left and to the right and to disregard God and to say, forget this. Use your own time. Do your own thing. I'm not saying you shouldn't have enjoyable, you know, fun and, you know, everything has to be serious. No. The will of the Lord could be like, you should go out and rest and go out to the park or have fun with the grandkids or, you know, uh, spend three hours and four hours just making a nice meal for your family. That's the will of the Lord, Right? But pursue it. Let God be the center of your life. Let that be the very cry of your heart that God, you need to be my refuge, my dwelling place. Ecclesiastes 12, verse 13. This is the last. Uh, the end of matter. This as, as, as uh, sorry, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. If you want wisdom, if you want to know what to do next, if you want to know what it means to live a right life before God, fear him. Keep his commandments. What it means to keep his commandments is not like, oh, I'm going to follow this law, I'm going to follow this law, I'm going to follow this law. Keep his commandments means from your heart, know that God is God and that you are to just follow and obey him in every aspect of your life not just in the things that you say, I did not steal, I did not do this, I did not swear, I did not. Keep his commandments. C.T. Studd says this, continue to be, uh, you know, he, he continues to be best remembered for this uh, phrase here. Only one life will soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last ultimately your relationship with Jesus, the one who died for you, the one who paid the penalty for your sin. I'm gonna fly through the last bit. I'm so sorry. Um, I, I, I know that this, um, my, this tends to be a longer sermon. Um, this is, <laughs> um, yes, okay, <laughs> thank you. Verse 13 says this, return, O long, how long? Have pity on your servants. Here, uh, he switches to ver uh, another perspective here. 
after he tells him to, after he tells all of us to number our days, he expects the Lord to return. To return how? To return in his presence. After they've realized the bad news and that God's wrath is pending and it's, it's, it's like our death can be at any moment. In verse 13, have pity on your servants. Have compassion. The people of God always need the compassion of God in order to survive. We need God's compassion. And that's why Moses says here, have pity, have compassion on your servants. We are your servants. We are not kings. We are not queens. We are not those who think that we can do everything. We are your servants. And verse 14, satisfy in the morning, us in the morning with your steadfast love. This steadfast love is that word hesed, which is the everlasting love of God. The love that flows from the beginning to the end, when Jesus Christ came down to this earth, it was the pinnacle, the ultimate example of his love for us, for God's love for us. Though we did not deserve his love, though we deserve death and his wrath, though we deserve just to be completely blotted out, God in his love and his compassion loved us. So that's why he says, verse 14, every morning when I wake up, I want to experience your steadfast love. So that what? So that we can just complain? So that we can say, oh, let's get on with our day? No, so that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Verse 15, make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us. Meaning there's a situation with the Israelites. They knew that they've been wandering in the wilderness, which by the way, they were in Kadesh Barnea, which is only about a, you know, 20, 30 miles from the border of Canaan. And they were just wandering there. God had afflicted them. You know, there's, there's, there's been affliction even in Egypt when they were in slavery. But look, make us glad for as many days. So the prayer is this. So God, continue to help me to live a life that is filled with joy. If I don't have that joy, give it to me, please. I don't expect it, but give it to me, please. Oh Lord, help me. Help me to have this joy. Give, please give this to me. And then the next passage here, it says here, the next slide. Psalm 103, verse 12 to 18. As a father shows compassion to his children, this is God. So the Lord's compassion to those who fear him, for he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. Again, as for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field, for the wind passes over it and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. But, but the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. You have to study that, no, just go home. Study that everlasting to everlasting. Go on Bible Gateway and just study that throughout the scriptures. I want to go back home and do that myself too. Just to know what that really means. The everlasting love of God in his character, but in what he has done for us through Christ Jesus. Everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. How can we do his commandments? How can we keep his covenant? Well, it's for those who fear him because they have experienced the love of God. Verse 17 is really much, like much of our prayer, right? And the next slide, 
Make us glad for as many days, sorry, let, let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children's children. Now he begins to see the future. He begins to see because he's about to die, right? He, he, he's, he's, an old, he's an old man, but he knows, he knows that there's gonna be a generation that's gonna go forward, that, that, that God is going to establish the work of their hands, that they're not going to be lazy, they're not going to be you know, insubordinate to God, they're going to be uh, submissive to him, they're going to live in light of his wisdom. And this is his prayer. He said, let the favor of the Lord be upon us and establish the work of our hands. Establish the work of our hands. God will establish the work of our hands if we truly fear him, if we truly understand his love. I really believe that. God has a plan for all of us. He does. And the beautiful purpose for us is in Christ Jesus. First and foremost, to know Jesus Christ to know him and to believe and trust in him and to know that he has a great purpose for us no matter how short, no, how, no matter how long our life. God will give us that wisdom. So brothers and sisters, is God our dwelling place? Ultimately, can you really truly ask God, so teach us to number our days so that we can gain a heart of wisdom. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your truth. It is so uh, powerful, Lord, because, Lord, we so often uh, are uh, influenced by the power of the world, the power of the darkness, the power of evil. But, Lord, we see in this passage your power, your purpose. We see that we have purpose in this life. We can live we can live differently. So Lord God, please grant us wisdom. Help us to teach, teach us to number our days, to know the brevity of life and to know the purpose forward because of your steadfast love. In Jesus' name, amen. For more resources or information about Hope Church, visit hopetorontonorth.com.